0: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
1: Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Tuesday, not Monday. No, no, it's Tuesday today. Welcome to the show. Glad you're along with us. Hope you had a magnificent turkey-filled tryptophan-jammed Thanksgiving. Maybe you're still sleeping it off. We finally, finally this year, finally were able to get together with a bunch of family that because of COVID and restrictions and things we really hadn't been able to get together with for a long time. So it was terrific. Although I must say my brother-in-law went slightly, I, th- I think he he had collected all the food that was planned for all previous Thanksgivings over the last number of years and cooked it all at once. We had so much food, which I suppose is what Thanksgiving's supposed to be for, but I think he is truly going to be eating turkey and squash and mashed potato and stuffing leftovers until he cooks his Christmas turkey. I mean, it was an he had this enormous bird plus a giant spiraled ham plus the mashed potatoes plus the squash plus the stuffing plus the rolls plus a bunch of other things. And then when the turkey was carved and it was enough for many people. He goes, can we clear a spot for the other bird? And he brings out an even bigger second turkey. It's like, all right. I didn't know the army was coming, but uh, anyway, hope your Thanksgiving was equally festive. And and, 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 by the way, his cooking was magnificent. It was, the food was great. Just so much of it. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. Lots coming up on the show today. Let me tell you, we uh, we didn't have a Monday show, but we're sort of covering for that today. Uh, next hour, Don Robertson, he's usually here on Mondays. He's going to join us on Tuesdays only because, you know, we might have skipped a week. But there is so much going on in the world of sports. The Hockey Canada board has finally resigned. The Blue Jays pull the giantest foldorama you could possibly imagine. Um, you know, while we were eating Thanksgiving turkey, they were choking on one of the bones, apparently, because they were awful. Uh, the NHL season, the Leafs start tomorrow night against the Canadians. Former Hamilton Bulldog Arbor Jacki made the team. He's in the lineup. That's exciting. Now, we'll be talking about all that. Lots more next hour. This hour, there is uh, there was a story. There was a hearing. There are always hearings in Ottawa. And I tell you, um, some of them are very uh, boring, but some of them are very illuminating as well. Uh, there was a hearing about medical assistance in dying. And I've never been a big fan. I mean, especially once we move away from what this was initially meant to be. But now the new proposal that's coming out of Quebec is, I got to tell you, to me, outrageous. And yet this is something that I will be willing to bet money the way this has been going, that we'll be talking about this very seriously very soon. Because with this issue, it seems that things that were off the table entirely, that were never to be considered, are all now being considered. We'll, we'll get into this. Um, we're also going to chat about our election. It is less than two weeks. Yesterday was two weeks until the municipal election. Have you decided yet for whom you will vote as mayor? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to open the lines. Have you decided who you're going to vote for? See, I'm of the opinion, I believe, a lot of people are really not even paying attention to this election. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. I think there's an awful lot of people who are kind of bored with this one, but I'd love to hear if you have decided who you're going to vote for. We'll get to that at the bottom of the hour. As always, the first segment of The Scott Radley Show is brought to you exclusively by fox40shop.com. For sport and for safety, it has to be fox40shop.com. Enter the promo code RADLEY at checkout, and you will get 25% off your order. A couple little um, tidbits to get to before we get to that, though. Uh, first of all, you heard in the news that Angela Lansbury died. She was in Murder, She Wrote. Remember her? She was the uh, the voice. Uh, she did the singing in Beauty and the Beast. Um, she was, I think, the teapot. in Be- Anyway, in the Disney version. But uh, a theory that was presented to me once upon a time, and I have clung to ever since. You know how people have these conspiracy theories about TV shows, things they don't really tell you? Here's the conspiracy theory that I have once heard and now believe about murder she wrote. The fact that every tiny town that Angela Lansbury's character went to, suddenly there was a murder that she solved... Do you not think that maybe when a person, every time they go to a small town and a murder happens, that they might be the, mar- the murderer? Angela Lansbury's character, I'm telling you, was a serial killer. A murder she wrote. They never got to that in the end. The last episode should have been someone arresting her for framing all these people for the murder she committed as she traveled from small town to small town committing murders. I'm telling you, that is the true story. Eventually, when they do the origin story of Murder, She Wrote, we will find out that her character was a serial killer. <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing I wanted to mention, and, and this was this is my favorite story of the day today. Unquestionably, this is my favorite story of the day today. It's from The Athletic, a online publication that talks about sports. James Harden is a basketball player, plays in the NBA. He, uh, he, he is now with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, The headline on the story almost tells it all. James Harden says he hasn't gotten proper credit for act of selfishness, selflessness, pardon me, for act of self, that's the opposite of what I was saying, for act of selflessness. James Harden apparently is upset that he did something selfless and no one gave him credit for it. (laughs) That, That seems to be missing the point entirely, doesn't it? It's like someone saying, you know what? I think I may be the most humble person in the world. I, I am really proud of being the humblest person alive. I am the best at humility. I mean, I, I didn't get enough credit for being selfless, darn it. And, and what is what is it that he's done that is so unbelievably selfless that he is not being given appropriate credit for? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. He took a pay cut this year to play. Yes, he did. He wanted to be able to help the team, so he took a pay cut to help them get in. So, in a, so because of that, this year, this selfless James Harden, who isn't getting nearly these the the, the laudits, laud- laud- the the plaudits, the praise there's the word he's not getting nearly the praise that he deserves um, he is going to get by on a mere 33 million dollars u.s this year and next because of his great act of selflessness because he took a pay cut i mean the fact that he last year he was fat and out of shape and wasn't as good as he has been in the past and was making 47.4 million dollars he's cut it down to 33. I mean, I don't know how he's going to get by, but the that act of heroic selflessness is not nearly getting him enough praise. So, keep that in mind as you're if you're sitting around enjoying your leftovers today, think of James Harden, thank him in your own quiet way for his heroic selflessness that he is willing to play a game for a mere 33 million US. We should all be so selfless. Hmm. Let's take a break. Lots to get to after the break. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. On Friday, the Common Special Joint Committee of Medical Assistance in Dying was hearing speakers and... Folks talking about different issues. And a doctor from the Quebec College of Physicians was giving testimony. And what was said was to me, it was not surprising and yet surprising at the same time, if that's possible. Um, he said that they should now, that it should now be legal in Canada, where we are expanding medical assistance and dying seemingly every week. It should now be legal to euthanize severely ill newborns. Now, you'll know if you listen to this show regularly that this is not an area that I approve of or appreciate or have a lot of tolerance for. This thing started, this idea started in this country that it was going to be medical assistance in dying specifically solely and only for those who were terminally ill in the last stages of life and suffering. That was the only place that we were going to allow this. All other doors would be closed. Pandora's box was not going to be opened. That was it. That was all. It will never go further. Well, then it became people who are suffering long-term discomfort then it became or it's about to become people who are suffering through mental illness which is a whole other problem there's enormous problems with that whole concept now we're into not only children which is terrifying but disabled children I want to bring in Uh, Pardon me, I want to bring in Krista Carr, who is the Executive Vice President of Inclusion Canada, uh, who joins us. Now, Krista, thank you for the time today. really appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, You know, uh, as I say, I'm not a supporter of this really from the beginning because I was a firm believer that what was going to happen is what happened, where we crack open the door and suddenly it gets pushed further and further and further open. But the idea now that we might allow disabled infants up to a year old to be euthanized, to me, is taking this even beyond medical assistance in dying. Now, this is not assisted suicide because a, a one-year-old or a six-month-old couldn't make that decision. This is plain old euthanasia of disabled children.
2: Absolutely, without question. And I got—I have to say, you know, from the perspective of Inclusion Canada and the disability community writ large, we warned. The government, we begged and pleaded with Parliament not to pass these types of of uh, of laws. We we wanted them not to expand the medical assistance in dying regime past people whose life was reasonably whose death story was reasonably foreseeable, and they refused to pay attention to lessons of history when eugenics led to the mass killing of people with disabilities. They told us that the lives of people with disabilities and would not be at risk. And that the lives of vulnerable Canadians would be protected through so-called safeguards. That there are lines that wouldn't be crossed. And we know now that was not true. The doors to genocide or ending life on the basis of disability are being pushed open wider and wider and we've got to slam them shut and they have to be slammed shut immediately.
1: And for the record, and just so so anyone tuning in late is clear, this is not happening yet. This is just a proposal or a suggestion by the Quebec College of Physicians by someone who spoke. But the reason that this bothers me when I hear this is for the reason you just said is every other time that we've had a push to expand this further and people have initially said, oh, no, no, we won't do that. It's always happened. It's always happened. Every one of those pushes to expand it has always happened. So I see no reason to believe this won't happen too.
2: Oh, ab- without without question. I mean, we've, we started with only people at end of life, and that's where we're going to leave it. And that's all people suffering intolerably whose death is imminent. And then it was, oh, well, we're going to add people with disabilities whose death is not reasonably foreseeable uh, by any shape, manner, or form, but they're suffering intolerably because they have a disability. And doesn't everybody suffer when they have a disability? And I'm being sarcastic here. Sure. And now it's we're studying made for mature minors. We're studying uh, made on the basis of mental illness only. So your sole diagnosis is having a mental illness. Well, why would we even do suicide prevention in this country if we we're going to just give lethal injections to people with uh, mental illness who, who want to end their lives when we know that with the proper support and treatment, they can, they can live thriving lives. It's, it's just getting, getting, getting progressively worse, and, you know, who knows who's next. I mean, if you look back over history, this, this is just history repeating itself, right? We're, we're all of a sudden going to only have a society where we have people we deem to be perfect or people we deem to be normal.
1: Right, and this one, with, with this one, we're sort of doing a loop around because we've sort of worked our way down now with this suggestion. And again, it's just a suggestion at this point, though I'm willing to put money down that someone proposes this for real. Um, we're now down to infants that are born with irreconcilable deficiencies, as I think that was one of the words, something like that, that they use. It's, it's, you know, but anyway, you know what my, the people know what my point is. But once we've done this, then you start looping back and saying, well, what's the difference between a one year old who might be severely disabled, who doesn't have quality of life? What about a five year old? What about a 15 year old? Like, it, to me, again, the door just gets cracked further and further. And logically, how do you, if you've said that a one year old who has severe disabilities should be euthanized, well, why shouldn't a five year old? Or why shouldn't a 10 year old? The logic, there's no logical answer not to do that.
2: Absolutely, it's it is a slippery slope. And you know, when we started this, the disability community was told, "Oh, you know, you're being you know you're being dramatic. It's not going to be a slippery slope. It's not going to go there. And it has gone exactly there, much quicker actually than what we even predicted. But I mean, you when you think about it, I know there are literally hundreds of thousands of Canadians with disabilities in this country who, if they had their parents had followed the advice of doctors when they were born about the fact that they would never walk, they would never talk, they would never have any quality of life, they would never do this, they would never do that, and who have gone on to do all of those things and more. I mean, at the end of the day, medical ableism is very pervasive, and it's based on discriminatory biases and stereotypes about what life with a disability is like. And it's simply not true. And people with disabilities in this country prove it isn't true over and over and over again. And there are a number of people in this country with disabilities, and like hundreds of thousands of them, who had this been, if this suggestion had been adopted, who wouldn't be here today? Who wouldn't be doing all the amazing things that they're doing in this world?
1: Two, two things really quickly. One of them is uh, one of the caveats here is, well, it, this will only be for um, infants who have no perspective or their prospective survival is close to nil is what they are right now. Well, the first thing on that one is my position is if they're not going to survive and if they're a newborn, we, we can keep people comfortable. Now we do it in hospice all the time for people who are dying. If they are going to die momentarily anyway, why do we need to hurry that along and play the role of God in that way? The second thing is, if we're saying, again, if we're saying this now, it has always expanded. So we can say the perspective of death is imminent or about to come. But as soon as we've opened this door, I really believe that that becomes only a short-term thing. And pretty soon it becomes exactly as you're talking about, much broader.
2: Well, exactly. The next thing will be, oh, well, they might, they're not going to die, but they're not going to have a good life. They'll have right. no quality of life. Or they'll always be dependent on the state. Or they'll be this, or they'll be that. It, it will just go wider and wider and wider until we've blown it open. And at the end of the day, this is really about who society values and who they do not value. And that includes the medical profession. And I'm not, and I'm generalizing, it's not every doctor, it's not every, but it's what and who we value in society. And unfortunately, and that's something we fight in the disability community against every single day, people with disabilities are among the most devalued in our society, which means that we have a duty to protect them even more so. Yet, unfortunately, we're going down a road where, frankly, Who's next? It, it's only going to start with people with disabilities. It, it'll it'll come soon to a theater near you. It's going to be senior mm. citizens, you know, it people with Alzheimer's. It the slope yeah. just continues.
1: Krista Carr, Executive Vice President of Inclusion Canada. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes today. Thank you for this.
2: Thanks so much for asking me. Take care. Uh,
1: this uh, we got to go to a break here, but th- this to me is is just exactly what the people who were opposed to this at the start were worried about. We can have the debate all we want about people who are facing last stage cancer or some horrendous painful end. We can have that discussion, but we can't have the discussion really because inevitably it seems that discussion is going to guarantee to open other doors. We've seen that again and again and again. And look, if you're listening and you're saying, wait a 2nd I want the option to be able to end my life if I'm in terrible pain with stage 4 cancer. Again, that does, that discussion I'm willing to have. Except that it has not stayed there and we're now into areas of people doctors proposing things that are monstrous. They're horrendous if you think about this. Imagine if we'd gone the other way rather than starting at the point of saying end stage if we had said let's start this by getting by euthanizing Young, infant, disabled, compromised children. They're going to die anyway, so let's just hurry it along. What You would say, are you out of your mind? What kind of society are we? Yet that's where we have piece by piece by piece, very gradually but very quickly, moved to. And I don't know who's going to slam the door on this because it seems, as I say, like every month we're talking about a new proposal in this. I've talked about this four, five, six times on the show in the last year and a half because it's always for a new nudge to go further with this and further with this. If you're not concerned about this, you should be. Because again, it's not just about the end of life, struggling, painful stage four cancer scenario anymore. It's vastly more than that. Let's take a break.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Today is October the 11th. don't know if you knew that. don't know if you care about that. But the only reason I mention that is because that leaves us 13 days until October 24th, which you should care about because that is the day of the municipal election. Two weeks, a little less than two weeks. Have you decided who you're voting for as mayor? I won't ask about your city councilor, although that would be an interesting discussion, but only interesting probably to to those within your ward. And that's not everybody who's listening, obviously. So we're going to stick with mayor today. Have you decided who you are voting for as mayor? It's going to be Andrea Horvath, Bob Bertina, Keenan Loomis, one or the other Folks who's running, nobody, are you not going to vote because you don't like any of them? I want to hear from you. 905-645-3221, 645-3221, or on your cell phone, it's easier, star 9900, star 9900 on your cell phone. Uh, You can also email me, Radley, R-A-D-L-E-Y, radley at 900chml.com. Would love to know if you have made your decision. Now, no is an acceptable answer no, I still don't know who I'm voting for is a perfectly acceptable answer. So presumably this covers everybody. You either haven't decided, which is fine, that's an answer, or you have, and I'd love to know who that person would be. And if you haven't decided, I'd love to hear from you too about what might be the challenge to making that decision. Is it that you haven't heard enough yet? Is it that you haven't felt motivated or compelled to engage yet for some reason is it some other reason 905 645 or star 9900 brad is up first today brad how are you i'm well Scott yourself i'm doing terrific thanks for calling in uh let me play the role of the polling station uh who if you don't mind me asking would you be putting your ex beside uh mr loomis okay why Well, you know what, Scott, your listeners on this channel before complain
3: about nothing changes if nothing changes with our council and and everything else in politics. And uh, Mr. Pertina's had his kick at the cat. Ms. Forvath has uh, certainly done what she's done both within the city and the province. And it's time for change. And I think Mr. Loomis will bring bright new ideas to this city that, uh, may make some difference now i also appreciate that the mayor's position is strictly one
1: vote yes
3: but it's the leadership that counts
1: well and it's you know it's a sign of something i suppose the leadership does reflect in some ways how people are thinking because it's across the city so for sure for sure uh last thing before i let you go and brad i appreciate you calling in um you say you're leaning towards keenan lewis will you be voting yes Okay. All right. You know what? Some people will say, oh yeah, I like that person. And they say, are you going to vote? And they say, well, no, I'm not really going to. So, okay. So Keenan Loomis knows. Sorry. No, no. uh, Go ahead. Finish, please. I was going to say, I'm a firm believer. If you don't vote, you can't complain. Amen. And so Keenan Loomis knows, he knows he has at least one vote already lined up. And that's Brad. Brad, thanks for the (laughs) call today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Let us go to Sean, who is waiting online. Sean, how are you today? Hey, great, Scott. Love your show. Thank you. Who are you going to vote for? Uh,
0: I think I'm going to vote for the Keenan Lewis, if I pronounce his name correctly. Loomis, um, yep. Yeah. I, I I I've been I grew up in Hamilton all my life. Um, Andrea, I'm I'm just afraid, like uh, with uh,
3: Doug Ford, you know, I don't think she, he really cares for her, and vice versa. So I think Hamilton might lose out on a lot of stuff. And Bob Bertina, you know, he, he did his time in Hamilton, being the, the alderman and the mayor. So I think it's time for some new new blood in the system.
1: Sean, I really appreciate your call. Thank you for that tonight. Take care. Hope to hear from you again. Let's go to Brian. Brian, how are you? I'm good, Scott. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Thanks, Brian. Who will your vote be going to?
3: Mr. Loomis.
1: Three for Keenan. All right. Why, why Keenan Loomis? Uh enough of the recycling <laughs> it's okay
3: time
0: for
3: time for some new blood in there um i think he's got some they'll uh, have some fresh ideas and you know hey i agree with that you know the uh i don't think the turf is really uh well trodden between uh andrea harvath and and doug ford which probably wouldn't seem good for the city um and like i said bob's you know these people that go up and they go into provincial politics. Don't like it, and then want to come back. And eh, enough is enough. You did your time. Let's get some and get some fresh ideas going for the city. It's what we need.
1: Brian, I appreciate you calling in. Thanks for th- sharing your thoughts today. 905-645-3221 or star nine nine zero zero. Would love to hear from you. So far, if we are any kind of representative sample. And I know you know scientific polls require thousands of people. We don't have time to get that many. But if we are any kind of representative sample, Keenan Loomis is going to win this race with numbers unseen since Saddam Hussein was running in Iraq. 99% for Keenan. No, that's not going to happen. Um, but it's really interesting that, that all three people so far, and again, 905-645-3221 or star 9900, all three people so far for basically the same reason are saying Keenan Loomis. You know one of the one of the really interesting parts about this and about hearing these three from Brad, Sean, and Brian is that it is a it is a well established fact, not not a theory, not a theory, a fact that name recognition helps in municipal elections. You can document that. This may be one time when it is the opposite of that. I think I caught the name is was it Pamela Matt. Pamela is up next. Pamela, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you for calling in. Who well, would be your be- vote for?
2: I'm going with Keenan Loomis as well.
1: Wow! I hope you know Keenan Loomis is going to be buying ad time on this uh, this show with all the people who listen- who like his his stuff. Why him? Same reason.
2: Absolutely, it, it's very encouraging to hear others think likewise as I that um, we need new fresh blood in. Our city, and I believe the other two candidates have been there, done that, and we need to move on.
1: Let me ask you one broader question, Pamela, because we're talking only about the mayor race now, and I'm not going to venture from that. But would you extend that to be a clean sweep? Do you believe that the whole council, that you would want the entire council to be new, or are you, or are you of the opinion that you know what? As long as there's some new to go with the experience, I'm fine with that. You want a complete clean out? or keep some of the experience as long as there's new blood in there?
2: No, I don't think complete clean-out would be beneficial to the community because we have to keep our historical knowledge. But I think to bring in some new blood and even it out so there isn't some of these block voting that that happens um, in some of the issues that we're looking at. So I'd like to see it, new blood in, but make it as um, keep some of the old ones um to keep that historical knowledge
1: Hmm. Pamela uh very insightful thoughts thank you for sharing them thank you that is uh that's interesting Keenan Loomis all four who called in in the time we had um interesting I I I I had no idea what people were going to say when they called in I really didn't um that I did not expect but again it's a it's a very 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 small sample size nonetheless probably to some degree indicative of something does that mean that that's going to translate across the city i can't begin to predict no idea but it's interesting let's take a break when we come back matt's story of the day will be up next stay with us
0: you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 chml
1: Hour number two of the scott radley show on this tuesday evening so glad you're along for the ride we're, we're moving Monday's second hour to Tuesday today. We'll explain that in just a second. Uh, first, your quiz question this evening. So I know that your bodies are probably still jammed full of turkey residue that may affect your thinking. So I'm going to clarify this one. This is for all of you who know your 80s music. And if you know your 80s music, and there's many of you that do, you should know this one. For the rest of you, this I, I'm not going to lie, this could be tricky. According to the song by the B-52s, how far is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the Love Shack? Hmm. According to the song by the B-52s, how far is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the Love Shack? It's right there in the lyrics. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. There will be great congratulations to those who can get this one right. And we will probably be able to whittle down your age (laughs) because you're going to know your 80s tunes if you can get this one. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Matt is waiting to hear from you. So give him a call and give him your name and give him your guess and all those good things. All right, Monday nights is usually when Don Robertson is with us. He's the owner and operator of the Dundas Real McCoys and of ComChoice Realty and so many other things in Dundas. Uh, but you know what? Monday, he was uh, probably like the rest of us, chowing on turkey. So he said, let's take a night, move it a day later. And here we are on a Tuesday special edition of Don Robertson's visit to the show. Donald, how are you? I'm,
3: I'm good, Scott, and easily confused, as you know, but... Uh, here we go, I was eating turkey yesterday and well, tonight that's, eat...
1: that's good, that, <laughs> no that's there's a lot of people who it's uh, It's day two of three or four that will be uh, and you know, by about day four when you're getting down into the the little pieces that have broken off, it's no longer nice slices of turkey, it's just like I don't know, crumbs left in the bottom but it's still turkey That that's when it gets a little rough but now it's still good
3: well, I was over at Stephen and Aaron's and I got a couple nice slabs and I'm good. I, uh, I think I enjoy a turkey sandwich with cranberry sauce. Um, and I don't eat much white bread anymore, but that's kind of a staple if you're going to do that. And uh, I, that, that, that rivals a good turkey dinner for me. But,
1: Although anyway. I, I must say I must say uh, most people don't describe their turkey in terms of slabs, but, <laughs> but that, that's very it's descriptive. It, it gives us some idea how much you truly brought home. If you're bringing it if you're measuring it in slabs. <laughs>
3: well, I would normally not do that, but one slab made a nice sandwich. So oh, perfect! But it, it was, was good, perfect! Oh, so well, nice, perfect off the brass.
1: Well, so things worked out well for your turkey sandwich. I'm not sure we can say the same for Hockey Canada board today. Uh, the Hockey Canada board, what was left of them step down. Uh how's that for a segue? Uh they decided that they'd had enough, I guess, or that the pressure was building too much or that uh, for whatever reason, I mean, they had held out until this point and it finally was the point today where they said, "No, we're out of here." Uh what do you make of all this?
3: Well, I make of it. But first of all, I'm only going to speak on behalf of the Real McCoy's and not the OHA or the El hockey League. So, it'll just be my position with Real McCoy's and my personal position, but I, I, I don't know. It, 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 I, I think it got to the point a while ago where there didn't seem to be any alternative. Um, and this morning when I picked up the paper at 5 o'clock and I started seeing that now Bauer, Nike Bauer, have even pulled their equipment sponsorship. They, they virtually had no sponsors left no federal funding and hockey associations, federations across the Commonwealth talking about withholding their contributions to Hockey Canada. I mean I'm no accountant, but you're gonna run out of money at some point. And when you've got the prime minister and the sports minister and everybody after you it I I, I think it was the only conclusion that almost anybody was going to come to that this was likely going to be uh, the ultimate um, outcome. And I think it now brightens the day and gives people a chance to say, you know what, now we can start over. I mean, hockey's huge in our country, it's important in our country. I've never met Scott Smith. Um, so, I mean, I don't have any opinion on his abilities. But that that situation goes back to his predecessor, who I believe started it all, and whose name seldom gets mentioned. And so I find it interesting. But I think the national upheaval for our national sport, all due respect to lacrosse, um, I think it was only a matter of time. I mean, sponsors won't give you money, and the feds won't give you money, and your life bread. Lifeblood, which is minor hockey and junior hockey and senior hockey, won't give you money. I mean, what do you do? I mean. Uh,
1: no, it's true. And I, I, and you're bang on that there didn't seem to be a way out. Like that, that, that to me is one of the things here as I think about it more and more. At a certain point, you have to come to the realization that there doesn't seem to be another way that we can fix this and stick around. It, it, it looked like there was no other exit ramp.
3: I agree. And I think what you'll see, Scott, I think the ultimate outcome of this will be, um, I think you'll see a very diverse board of directors at Hockey Canada um, in the future. Um, I know a lot of people, as you would appreciate, uh, having been to national championships and hosting them. There are a ton of quality people there. And uh, I think, I think it's a chance for a reset. It's unfortunate how the reset has come about. But I think, and I I, I don't think the thing that put them in this situation, which appears to have been a 2018 incident in London, I don't think that thing's going away. Look at Tampa Bay. I mean, I think there's going to, it's just going to keep piling on. So I think if you have a new group, Uh, if they phone me and ask me what to do, and I suspect they won't, but they should, I would say you put in a really quality interim CEO. It just is everything's transparent from how much we're paying for stamps to who's going to Tim Hortons to buy a coffee for us. I mean, you just do that and then you rebuild and then you, you get somebody of quality that can do the job and then guide the next guy into a good place, somebody that's stable and kind of run it so they can take their time to find a CEO? Does it have to be a brilliant hockey mind? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, Love him or hate him, and lots of people in Hamilton, hate Gary Bettman, he's a basketball guy. He's put the National Hockey League on solid financial footing, and I'm sure he didn't know of. Puck from a baseball when he started. But boy, the owners love him and he's really streamlined the business. So I think they don't have, it doesn't have to be an old fart like me that's been around the game all his life to lead this thing. You know, you can step outside the box and now's that opportunity. And I think the board will become far more diverse. No disrespect to the people on the board, but it'll become more diverse. And I don't think it's a bad thing. You look at Soccer Canada. They have a very diverse board. And I don't think you have to be a soccer player or a former NHL or a former uh, MLS uh, soccer player to sit on that board. So there's lessons to be learned. And uh, I think think at the end of the day, people will buy into giving them a new chance and a new leader. And uh, I think everything will be fine. And I hope the sponsors come back because it is a great
1: game. Yeah, it's, it, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with the board because I, I think you're right. I think you know a diverse board would be a good thing. The one thing I think would not necessarily be a good thing is if it loses sight of what Hockey Canada is supposed to be for, which is ultimately still growing the game of hockey. Uh, you still have to keep that as your foundation. It has to be done in a way that is better than what was done before less secrets and less slush funds off for settling things and other things. But I don't know that everyone's going to want this thing to become something that it's not meant to be, but if you could, but I think you can do that with lots of diversity and, you know, get back on track reasonably quickly. I, I would expect you could, I don't know why you couldn't for the same reason you just said, lots of other sports have boards that have done this kind of thing. So there's no reason why hockey couldn't.
3: Well, I, I I think maybe where things get to... I think it was 1986 when the World Junior Championship was on the ropes, and the OHA and that board brought it into Cops Coliseum along with the operators of the Steelhawks and Peter and it, it wasn't that successful in Montreal, and it went nuts here. So it kind of started taking off then and had a life of its own. And I I can see it happening where... Situations like that. Then we, now, now we can go to the Olympics, and you start looking at the uh, elite athletes, and we have to win gold here, we have to win gold there, and I, I you know, I I'm sure I could get caught up in it, saying that's our focus, we are the best in the world, blah blah blah. I think in, in retrospect, if I take another look at it, that now I would say we need to use that World Junior Tournament and the World Championship as a conduit to raise money for Hockey Canada. I mean, it's a nice focus, and we'll take that money and make the game better for the kids. Let's make junior hockey better. Let's make minor hockey better. Let's make Timbits hockey better.
1: Yeah, and we're going to mm.
3: take the, the revenue that we generate from those multi-events and drive it back down. Winning's important, but it's not the ultimate.
1: Uh, see, I, Don, hey, I'll... I'll say this. I, I think your idea is laudable and noble, but the first time we get into an Olympics and we don't make the playoffs or we finish out of the medals, we're back to Royal Commissions because we that's lovely to say those things. And I think that those have merit. But when our world junior team doesn't win a gold medal for eight years or our men's national team doesn't win a medal, people are going to very, very quickly forget all that other stuff. They're going to say, we're supposed to be winning. And they're going to demand winning. Yeah, I, of course.
3: And, and I Look, Scott, you know me. You think I don't demand winning? Winning's the only thing. And I think that's the ultimate thing. But what you have to stay grounded with is, let's take this event and take the profits from it. I mean, you can't buy a winner in junior hockey. You can't buy a winner in the Olympics. It is what it is. You pick the best players. But the revenue that you generate from it, the goal should be, in my mind, is let's generate as much revenue as we can, but let's cut back on some of the extras that we're giving particular players and everything else. Let's just do it for the love of the game and drive that income into minor hockey. Let's let's make sure that minor hockey and junior hockey are the big winners for the greater good of all. Now I sound like a socialist. But you know what I mean? Like, just use those those tools to generate money and put it back into the game and not use the kids' money to make the elite program the only thing that's important. And I can see somebody getting trapped in that over the years. But you're right. But that's what guys like you and I all do. We'll talk about it on the radio. You'll write about it in the paper. It'll sell. There'll be thousands of trees cut down so we can read about what happened to the world juniors because they didn't win this year it's a cycle i mean we don't pick our worst kids to go but my point is take that vehicle and the revenue it can generate for us and drive more money back into minor hockey and you will win this country over in 15 minutes see i just gave the guy the job to do
1: there you go uh while they ponder that one we'll take a very quick break come back with more with don robertson right after this
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Scott Radley Show here on 900 CHML. Don Robertson with me, usually on Monday nights, but uh, Tuesday we are doing, we had a night off last night because of Thanksgiving, so Don is here. Uh, Before we get to Don again, your quiz question, this is going to be targeted, I understand that, those who know their 80s music. According to the song by the B-52s, how far is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the love shack? 905 645 3221 or star 9900. I heard someone else ask this question the other day and I stole it because it was a great question. Anyway, there you go. 905 645 3221 star 9900. According to the song by the B 52s, how far is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the love shack? Don Robertson, who, um, whose house has occasionally been called the Love Shack, mostly by him. (laughs) Uh, He joins me now. I don't know if Suze has ever called it the Love Shack, but, uh, you know, give it time, right? Um, Don, on the weekend, the Blue Jays did what Toronto teams love to do, and that is tease their fans with hints of success and then absolutely wet the bed and leave all their fans feeling like they've just been punched in the gut several times Uh, what, what do you do if you're the Jays from here like do you look at this team and say well this was a one off and you know we'll bring the same group by and large back next year and expect different results or do you say no this was a sign of something that we need to fix do we have Dawn? I think we lost Don. We're going to try and get him back again. So um, yeah, that's, uh, it, it was, it was, you know, for all of the Jose Bautista home run fun from 2015, this was the opposite of that. This was just a, a kick in the pants to Blue Jays fans. And there's tons of them. I don't know that they were as fired up for this team this year. And maybe there's something to that. I mean, that 2015, 2016 team, people loved them. Remember that? Remember the, the atmosphere in the stadium, people love that team with Bautista and Encarnacion and Donaldson and David Price. But I get back to my question, Don. After that collapse on Saturday by the Blue Jays that just was disastrous, if you are managing the Blue Jays or any team that goes through something like that, do you look at it and you say, yeah, it was a bad day, but really we're an excellent team. We just had a bad day. Or do you look at that and say, that concerns me that that could happen and that nothing was fixed within our core group, and maybe we need to make big changes here.
3: I wouldn't. Uh, you're dealing with a mental midget. I had my phone on mute. Um, <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't change much. I would make the additions they need to make. I mean, it was one bad play. It may have been a bad guess. It was a kid's name Guzman. I mean, I I don't know if you leave him in or out. I'm not the manager. I'll default to him. He's done a pretty good job. But if you don't get that blooper in center field, or if you put a better defensive center fielder in there, we're not talking about it. I mean, it was a bloop hit. It's part of the game. Does it, is it a kick in the gut to blow an 8-1 lead? Oh, boy. I mean, there's, it, and it's just terrible. But they're a good baseball team, and they had a bad three innings. I don't think you blow it up because of that. They could have went to the World Series. Seattle, if they haven't won, are gonna win today, and they could have carried on. It was like it was just a. They didn't hit well in Game One, but they scored nine runs in Game Two and had a little bit of bad luck. They buggered a couple things up, but for the most part, they're a pretty good baseball team. I would just add to the pitching if you can. And I think I'd stay the course. I mean, they—they they, you need a little luck, and they didn't have any on uh, the 8-1 debacle. But I think they're a pretty good baseball team, and I think they're on the right track.
1: Here's what I would do differently, and that is I think that this team, I, I don't believe that that pitching change when they were up 8-1 to one and the bases were loaded and they took out their starter, I don't believe that pitching change was a decision that was made at that time. I think that was a decision that was made pre-game that we are not going to let that batter beat us by facing our starter a third time. And I think that baseball has become a victim to this kind of analytic stuff that is essentially you don't really need a manager at this point. You don't. You don't need a manager. You need someone who's going to – you need a uh, – what do you call it? One of those people who – um does uh for accountants and for insurance companies a um, forensic auditor yeah almost you need you need just someone who has some spreadsheets and some numbers and it could be an, an accountant sitting on the bench saying oh it's this situation therefore we're going to do this and i think that truly i believe that 50 10 years ago 15 years ago there is not a manager alive that would have pulled the J starter the way he was pitching. And the fact that the bases had gotten loaded on a bunch of dinky, dink and dunk infield singles and stuff. And yet his, he was pitching outstanding. Remember Jack Morris pitching, what was it? 11 innings in the world series a few years back against uh, when he was with Minnesota. Um, if you had left this to baseball people rather than going with purely analytical stuff, the Jays win that because I'm convinced they get out of that inning. They may have given up a run or two, but then next inning, it doesn't all lead to this domino effect. But I think that the, oh, the first thing you need to do with the Jays is say, if we're going to hire this guy as a manager, which they were talking about today in the press conference, the first thing you do is let him manage. Because I absolutely wholeheartedly, hundred percent believe that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have their fingers in the pie and are pulling the puppet strings from up in the managerial box.
3: Sadly, you're not alone on that analysis that they think that they invented the game. Um, and, you know, they had an opportunity to make a couple moves at the deadline and didn't do it. But I'll guarantee you, if we could grab the uh, manager of the Blue Jays, you and I go to, meet him at the Collins Hotel Brewhouse and have a beer, or the Thirsty Cactus, both sponsors of the Real McCoys, and have a couple of beer with him and say, do you think that was the right thing to do or was that just the way it had to be based on how baseball and I'll pay you dollars to donuts. He said, I'd let the kid in, that's not the way it's done anymore.
1: Gosman was pitching a great game.
3: I think, uh, I think Tom Kelly was a manager in Minnesota. If I'm right, might not be. And just let Morris ride it out. Now, if you get to 112 pitches, and you've struck everybody in the other team out, you're going, oh, this kid's done. you got to get the Radley kid out. He's 112 pitches. He can't do it anymore. We struck everybody out. Yeah, but he's got to come out. So I agree. I don't think that'll change, though. I think the guy's No, it won't. It won't, but we had saying, a perfect
1: game. Don, we had a perfect game this year in the majors that they didn't let the pitcher stay, and he was throwing a perfect game in, like, the seventh inning, and they took him out because the analytics say you have to. Oh.
3: I'd have walked in and punched a manager right in the nose that you leave me in. You're an idiot.
1: Yeah, I just, as I say, I, I, that to me, there is a reason to me why you're a baseball manager, because you have a feel for the game, because you understand the game, because you're on the field, because you see how the guy is throwing, because you see how the other guys are swinging at his pitches. You see how his sinker is working so well. That's the reason you're a manager. And it shouldn't be something that appears so obviously that it was preset. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe he. But if it wasn't, then it was a giant failure of managing because you've got a guy who's throwing the ball exceptionally well. And what's the worst case scenario in that moment? He's thrown. He's gotten two outs. The bases are loaded. Yeah, but he gives up a grand slam. It's eight to five. Well, it turns out to be eight five anyway. And now the guy who's throwing so well is out of the game. And you just had to go through a bunch of bullpen the last game, and you might have to pitch a third game, but instead of protecting your bullpen, you're now making it less likely that you would win that third game, even if you got there. Let let and, baseball and, be baseball and, as opposed to a numbers thing.
3: And you bring your closer in, and, and yep. he's got to get six outs, which he probably hasn't done since Bannum.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 just, to me, they have a team that can do well, but I don't know that the best way to do it is always. And some people will argue; they'll say, "Of course it is. Best way is to follow the numbers. That's how you do it. You follow the numbers. The numbers but, will almost I, always take you in the right place. Almost the, always."
3: The interesting thing, Scott, is Tommy you No, Tommy Larusa. Who's Tony? Yeah,
1: in uh, Chicago. Yeah, Tony in La Russa? Chicago
3: is going to retire he left them in he just said i don't care what your stats say this kid can do it the problem is all the managers coming up now have been under that analytics thing so long including the jays manager that's the way they're ingrained they're not provided the opportunity maybe in single a ball or double a and i doubt it even there to just let your gut tell you the Radley kids got another two batters in him. I'm gonna leave them in and I if I was doing it I probably wouldn't make it anywhere I'd say I'm doing it my way it doesn't work then fire me so and guys that own teams many manage, general managers if that's the way they want it done if you don't want to do it that way you can't have the job it's crazy
1: yeah no I I think that that was the that was the problem and it was following the book to absolutely the word I was looking for before an actuary there it's baseball by actuary as opposed to by baseball by baseball people and I think I think it hurts the game I think it's made the game less interesting and I think that you know the people who lean on it all the time yeah you know what there are times for sure to go with the numbers if if a batter hits the ball to the left side of the infield 85 percent of the time of course you do that but if it's 60 percent of the time you know, it depends who the pitcher is, who you got on there, whether he's throwing hard or throwing soft or throwing, like there's all kinds of things. I don't, I, anyway, we got to take a break. I just, I think that the Jays, that's the one thing I would love to see is if you're going to have a manager, let him manage. And if you don't want to have him manage because you just want it to be by numbers, then just put Ross Atkins in charge and let him then be the guy who takes the heat when this thing happens and gets fired when this stuff happens. Anyway, let's take a break. Back with more with Don Robertson right
0: after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Quiz question today. According to the song by the B-52s, how far is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the love shack? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Don Robertson is with us this evening, usually on Mondays, but uh, this week we moved it to Tuesday. And Don, tomorrow night the NHL season kicks off. Um, one exciting, fun, local note. Arbor Jack guy, Hamilton guy who played for the Bulldogs last year, is starting the season on the Montreal Canadiens roster. If you watch the Leaf game tomorrow night, they open tomorrow, you'll see him playing for the Canadiens. He has made a big splash with the Canadiens this year, big and strong and tough and fighting guys, and I think he's going to be sticking around, but... What do you expect, since most people around here are still, improbably, but still are Leaf fans, uh, who have been beaten and battered and had their (laughs) souls crushed more times than they can imagine, is this the year the Leafs finally, let's not even go big, is this the year the Leafs finally win a playoff series?
3: Well, of course they will, because they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh Uh-huh. They're going to win every playoff series every so, last one of them.
1: We're not talking even sure by phone lose
3: a game in the playoffs.
1: Okay, we're talking we're not we're talking by phone so I can't see you but don your tongue is perilously close to poking right through your cheek. So, uh we don't, we don't want to have an injury on the show. So, is this <laughs> the year the Leafs win a playoff round?
3: Yeah, oh, I would think so for sure. Um it's going to be goaltending, but if the goaltending they have doesn't work out, they've got lots of time to fix it. But I think that they can, uh, well, uh, what are you asking me for? I thought they'd win the playoff round the last two years. Of course, I think they're going to win the playoff round. They're a pretty good team. They're fairly well coached. And they're maturing. Now, there's a difference between maturing as a hockey player and an NHL player and caring enough to win. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're the bad news Bears and you get beaten the last game, there's always guys hanging their head because they lost. They knew they'd lose. They expected to lose. And they didn't care if they lost. But they're a little upset. So I don't know that dynamic with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they certainly have the skill level to go to the next level. And, uh, you know, do they blame goaltending? What do they blame? you know they've lost some key guys but yes they're certainly good enough to win around
1: oh they're good enough to I, my, my question becomes l- let's say i mean i it wouldn't shock me if the leafs won their division uh maybe even finished in the top 2 or 3 in the league in points in the regular season and i but the problem is you're going. you've got all these guys now and and look you've been around sports long enough you understand the the psychology of people <laughs> You've got all these guys now who are on this team who have had great regular season success, but the minute that you switch to playoffs, they have had nothing but failure. And I just I wonder how much at, at what point that becomes a a weight on them that they just can't deal with because there's so much pressure now, knowing every year we fail.
3: I think they're young enough and resilient enough, Scott, that they're okay this year. If it happens again, heaven forbid, then you got to blow the whole thing up and start again. I mean, you just can't carry on. And not that that GM will be there, because if, if it doesn't work out, it's it's Armageddon a bad word, but it's going to be a total
1: hockey's version breakdown.
3: of breakdown. Hockey's version of it. They're gonna they're gonna have to shut her down. And but I'll give them. You know, I mean, everybody says, well, they've been around a long time. I think Austin Matthews is 24 years old. He's not like he's a seasoned veteran, but he is now. So, if they can carry on, and they're the, they're young enough that if they get that spunk in them, and they get that cockiness and that swagger, they could make a real run for it. But if it if they implode, like they have in the past, then you can't keep the group together. But I think they're they're poised to have potential for great things.
1: I mean, you're, you're it right about Austin.
3: We gotta wait six months.
1: You're right about Austin Matthews age, but Don, I mean, name me the great player in NHL history who at 24 years old hasn't won a single playoff series. I mean, Connor McDavid hasn't won a cup, but he's won playoff series. I mean, I don't think there's a I don't think you can go back in the history of the NHL and find a player at his age who is the who is the heart trophy winner and say by the time they were 24 six years in they had not won a playoff series that that's got to be if it's not completely unique it's got to be really rare well certainly nothing to be proud of
3: uh no and and, you, and you're gonna you're gonna tax my mind but um which is feeble seemingly because the can't turn the mute button off but I, I I agree. I don't know if there's anybody. Um what about Gretzky when the Islanders beat them before they went on to win four or five Stanley Cups in a row? Had Gretzky won a round yet? And yeah, because the Islanders the beat yeah,
1: yeah, because the Islanders beat them in the finals. So they had had to got to the finals. And don't yeah. forget they had, yeah. you know, they had Won some rounds very early on in their first years. I mean, as I say, I'd have to go back and look, but I can't believe that there's been a guy, a Hart Trophy winner, who's ever because I mean, who's who's won the Hart Trophy? Gretzky's won, maybe the youngest. I don't know, but you'd be, I think you'd be very hard pressed to find someone in his position where a team who's got the best player in the league, the reigning best player in the league, that's never won a playoff series. And I, I, you know, again, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I just. At a certain point, that's gotta to start to really wear on you and weigh on you that we're getting here and oh no, here we go again. Think of a golfer well, who's I... think of a golfer who's blown, you know, putts, who can't hit the final putt to win. At some point, that's in your head when you go to hit your winning putt, that I've never been able to do this. Oh no, here I go again.
3: Well, that's pretty close to the heart if I can't make a putt, but no, I understand. I mean, you're right. They have had all the tools and haven't put it together. Um, I don't think it was Freddie Anderson's fault when they didn't win. I don't think it was Jack Campbell's fault when they didn't win. They just haven't got the deal done. And uh, they've got to have some guys, quite frankly. And, and some of them, and I'm not uh, sure Neil is in that group, they have to find a way to say they're going to pay the price to win. And they they they've had some guys that won't pay that price, and I think Matthews and Marner last year did pay that price. I think they get it. Um, but you know, even their captain John Travaris, he doesn't have a lot of Stanley Cup rings. So, but they've got they've got the talent. But I think this is it. If they don't do it this year, then you're going to see a yard sale.
1: Well, you know, the downside for the Leafs is that they're probably still in the toughest division in hockey with Tampa and with Florida and with Ottawa that's improving. I don't think they're there yet, but, um, you know, it's a Boston. Who knows where Boston is right now? Montreal, who knows where Montreal is? Buffalo is improving. Uh, we'll see what that division looks like. Um, the good news is that I. the one thing that I think is overrated here. I really believe that their goaltending is not just going to be manageable. I think their goaltending is going to be good this year. I do. I think those two guys, one of them, if not both, are. Go- it's going to be there. I think their goaltending is going to be good. I think that is a concern that isn't a concern, but we'll see. We'll see. We don't know yet. Well, but um,
3: you played that position, so you wouldn't. You would yeah, be not like this.
1: No, 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 not like this. But I just, I, I look at it and I think, you know, that no. there's. They've, there's been injuries, and w- what we don't know, what we don't know is, and we can never predict, is whether those guys get hurt. But if they are healthy, I think they're, and that's got to be the caveat. If they are healthy, I think their goaltending is going to be very good. And
3: well, and you have to you have to look at the Leafs this year too, uh, from the perspective that uh, their top four forwards, Marner, uh, Nylander, um, Tavares, oh, Tavares and, Matthews, and Matthews like Travers and Matthews missed eight or nine games last year. No, uh, Matthews and Marner, but for the most part, they played full schedules. Heaven forbid, they get a couple of injuries. They're going to put those guys on the shelf for a couple of months. They've, they've been very fortunate in that respect. So we'll, we'll see. I, I have a tendency to agree with your goaltending comment. I don't think there'll be a lot of slippage in that area. And Matt Murray's won two Stanley Cups. And yeah, and his last couple of years, he's
1: his last couple of years when he hasn't been good. He's been playing in Ottawa, which um, there are men's leagues teams in Hamilton at the four pad, at the quad pad that have had better defenses than Ottawa has for a few of those years. So um, we'll see. I mean, injuries again. Injuries could always be the issue, and you don't know. I mean, Matt Murray could be injured tomorrow for all we know. But if they stay healthy, I think they're gonna be good. Anyway, we will see. It begins tomorrow. Um again, look for Arbor Jack guy, Hamilton guy. Grew up right next to Tim Hortons Field. He'll be uh, he'll be dressing for Montreal. Don, we gotta run. Always appreciate this. Thank you for doing this. Scott, one point. You got a minute? Yes, a absolutely. Go. The Mariners,
3: the Mariners rather,
1: <clears throat>
3: were uh change pitchers with two out, with two men on in the ninth, and Alvarez hit one out. They lost, so they made a pitching change with two out, with two guys on, and they lost the game. So it's kind of karma. It's baseball.
1: They yeah, I guess not. you don't learn. I, although, I, to go back to our point, I, I still believe the Jays' pitching change was preordained before the game. I'd be interested to hear if the Mariners I haven't been watching because I've been on here, but I'd be interested to hear about that one. Anyway, we will talk about that one down the road. Don, always appreciate it.
3: Thanks, Scott. Thanks for the time. Bye-bye.
1: Next Monday, Don, will be back. Uh, Your quiz question one more time. According to the song by the B-52s, how far is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the love shack? 905-645-3221, star 9900. Back with the answer in song right after this.
0: You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Well, there's your answer. How far... Is it from the faded sign on the side of the road to the Love Shack? 15 miles is what the sign says. If you knew your 80s music, you might have got that one. Otherwise, hey, I'm sorry. But uh, tomorrow, maybe it won't be so specific. Matt, did anyone know that one tonight? Yeah, I think everybody that called in got it right. So uh, let, let's see. Mike, Darcy Lee, Paul, Walter, Steve, Lynn, Hugh, Wayne, Russell, George, Tegan, and Maria. That is an impressive list. That's way more than I thought. Way to go, all you '80s people! Put on your Boy George outfits tonight and uh, do some '80s dancing or whatever you're gonna do. But well, uh, well done. Very impressed. We will be back tomorrow, at eight, at six o'clock. Not at eight. At six o'clock, going until eight. Till that time, have yourself a great night. And thanks to Matt for pinch tonight. Talk to you soon.
0: The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML.